Good morning. Would you turn with me to Mark chapter 10? And if you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find this on page 1001. It's Mark chapter 10. And we'll begin reading in verse 6, Mark chapter 10. Jesus has been asked sort of a trick question about divorce in that day, and his enemies are trying to trip him up about that. But he really teaches us more than just what he answers in the question, something we need to hear in our day. We'll pick up somewhat in the middle of his, his response in verse 6. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come here today. Teach us how you plan and you have a purpose for family, for relationships in marriage, and for relationships in your church, and relationships that your people have with themselves, among us as the church, and those who are outside the church. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to find and follow your purpose today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It is good to be back with you all. You got something? You got it? Maybe. <laughs> okay. How's this? Is that any better? Tell yeah. me a little bit better. Okay. That's all I got right there. Okay. Yeah. Let me, uh, let me move this. We'll work from there. We're going to make this work somehow. S uh, technical things follow me around. I was in Yoakum the other day, and... Just got up to preach, the electricity went off. They have one window in their church. It was behind me. Unfortunately, I, I like today, I, and for that reason, I kind of brought my iPad. I'm always ready for that. So I, I was able to see the scripture and everything else and able to read that off of that. Uh, and it was really kind of amazing how well people listened. When, when you're the only light in the room and... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a bright, shiny day like this, and the electricity's off, and nobody's quite sure what's going on. But it is good to be back with you. As we were driving in, uh, Jesus remarked, you know, it, it feels like I'm coming home. It always feels that way when we come back. For those of you who do not know, I was pastor here uh, for nine years, starting in 1995. And, and so we, we enjoyed a great time here, and it's always good to come back and see who's grown now and, and leading worship and, and who's still sitting the same pews. Uh, haven't changed a bit, though. So it's good to be back with you today. Uh, okay, we're going to try this now. How does this work? Okay, okay. Migrate back here. So 
so, well, we got a little bit too much. Okay, still a little bit too much. We'll, we'll, we'll get that, they're working on that back there, I can tell. But it is good to be with you once again. And uh, let me just share a few updates. Uh, most of you know that I now work with Stitch Ministries. I'm the church relations pastor care guy, which means I fill in on most Sundays. I'm doing this somewhere pretty much every Sunday uh, around South Texas and enjoy that very much. And during the week, I get to work with pastors and their families and, and a ministry to them, sort of a pastor to pastors. Then also just connecting churches with our ministry at Stitch Ministries and, and us with churches and what's going on. Uh, I'm glad to hear your good trip uh, to Montana worked out. Uh, wonderful place. Got to go there one time. Uh, hope and plan to go there again soon. So we're looking forward to hearing even more stories. Thank you, too, for being a part of our virtual mission trip to the Dominican Republic. How many of y'all were actually a part of that? and got to be a part of that. All right, great. Uh, we're actually getting groups into the Dominican Republic right now. We weren't sure if that was going to happen at all when that took place, but it looks like it's, it's going to, and, and like things are going to, to go well as we get back into the groove of things and into ministry with other people and, and, and serving the folks there, which I know you have a long-standing relationship with. Uh, thank you for kind of breaking the ice with uh, getting down to Costa Rica. My former church, uh, Northside, is going to be taking a group there later. And, and so thank you for kind of getting that started and getting things going there. That, that, that's a big help to us and to be able to share that with other folks, uh, that you've, you've gotten some things started that we've wanted to see happen there for a long time. There is a, a bit of information, though, of, of news, I guess, that you may not have heard about, but uh, just a week ago, we announced a new campus of ministry. Let me give you some of the backstory. I grew up outside Yoakum, Texas, and outside Yoakum is uh, a little children's home called Blue Bonnet Youth Ranch. Most folks in Kennedy probably never heard of Blue Bonnet Youth Ranch. If you have, it, it was a small kind of community-run uh, children's home, group home, and, and just like we had at, at Stitch Ministries, they had to struggle with a state mandate now that a kid who comes from the CPS system into your care has to be watched 24 hours a day. There's got to be somebody there awake in the new room next to them while they're sleeping, those kinds of things. And they just could not handle that staff-wise, so they approached us, and so now we're about to open next month a new campus of Homes for Families. That is our single moms and their children ministry at Blue Bonnet Ranch. So it will be called Homes for Families at Blue Bonnet Ranch outside Yoakum. Pray for us as we, we get into that and, and as we begin that. You now, we'll still have a home for families and home for single moms and their kids at Goliad. That's not changed and, and will not change. Uh, this is just another opportunity. We have a waiting list uh, for for women who want to get into homes for families. So this, we hope, will be that chance to bring in a, another a place where women can find that help. It's becoming harder and harder to, to minister to kids in the way we've always done that. 
But we're finding, if we take that step back to, to deal with the women and the moms in, in those crisis situations, we can reach those kids before they get to a place where they're separated from their family and their moms and, and come to be with us. So pray as we begin that new ministry and as we go to a new place. And, and I can say this for because I'm from Yoakum. Pray that as we work with folks from Yoakum, we get to figure all this out and, and how God wants to do that there. Let me just take a personal word and, and just say uh, something that I know some of you will ask, some of you know us, and, and just to ask your prayers on this Father's Day, I get to brag on my kids for just a little bit, okay? Uh, Kelly, our oldest daughter, uh, is now a mom and has a 20-month-old, Caleb. She is married to a youth pastor, and they live in Katy, Texas, and they're part of Kingsland Baptist Church there, where he is the junior high pastor at a very large church. Meredith, our younger daughter, is uh, a school teacher in Richardson, Texas, and we are just very happy with how they have grown and watching them in, in life, and, and we appreciate your prayers for all of that. Now, on this Father's Day, I, I, I've really been and had marriage and the struggle of marriage on my heart and my mind a lot. And as we kind of come out of this pandemic time, we see all kind of conflicting things about marriage. I, I've read one thing that well, there, there's a lot of people searching online about how to do-it-yourself divorce. And then you look and you see actually the number of divorces that have been filed have gone down. Then you see things in the news like Bill and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce. Now in the world's terms, you know, here is this couple that is powerful and influential and they're wealthy. And even one pundit said, you know, if, if Bill and Melinda Gates can't keep their marriage together, how can we? Because they've got money and they've got wealth and they've got fame and they've got influence. And a lot of those things are why they're not married and not going to be married anymore. What, what makes a marriage work? We look and we see folks like Kim and, and Kanye are splitting up. And if you don't know who Kim and Kanye are, I don't have time to explain that to you today. Just ask somebody under 30 and they'll explain Kim and Kanye to you. But then on, on a more personal level, I, I look around and I see a co-worker who has a husband got burned in the church somehow, and, and, and through the years he's just become more and more distant, and then he just took off, and he didn't want to be married anymore. And they have a little boy, and I watch as, as she struggles to figure out life now, and, and, and not somebody anybody in Kennedy would know, but you know one of the last weddings I did, not more than two years ago, I found out just the other day, it, it didn't even last a year. What, what is happening in the world of marriage? And so dads, today, as we think about that, I want to I talk to all of us about that. Now, I realize when I bring up that, it, it brings up maybe statistically folks would say probably about 48%, 45% of the folks you're speaking to on any Sunday morning aren't married. But what we see here is so basic about relationships and how God wants to work in that I hope you can glean even something from that, and we'll talk about that more in, in just a little bit. But as we look at this passage, I want us just to figure out, okay, what is God's plan? If he designed this in heaven, what should this look like on earth? 
Because, you know, you'll, you'll look and you'll hear people say, well, if Bill and Melinda Gates can't make it, you know, it's just a sign that traditional marriage is, is done. Well, they didn't have a traditional marriage. And they didn't have one designed by God. What does that look like? What does that look like for us as, as dads, as men, as we try to lead in that, as husbands? What does that look like in churches? What does that look like in families? How is this supposed to work? And, and we go back to some very basic things. Now, again... Jesus is, is being put on the spot here. Maybe his enemies and the Pharisees and those who are trying to trip him up feel like they, they can get him caught in something and get caught in a controversy of that day because there was this group that said, yeah, you can just divorce your wife for any reason. She can't divorce you, but husbands, you can get rid of her if you don't like her anymore, and it's okay. These were the religious people saying that. Others were saying, no, this is something from God, and it's never to be broken. So they have that controversy, and Jesus, they're trying to embroil Jesus in it and maybe catch him in it. So what we see in what he says here is an answer to that question. But as Jesus always did, he said a whole lot more. He didn't just answer their question or try to avoid giving them too much information. He teaches them the heart of the matter that they brought up. And it's not about divorce, it's about marriage. And let me just let you know, I'm not here to, to make anybody feel uncomfortable about your past. Some of us share a past together. And it's not about that. It is about the future, and it's about what God would have us to understand and know now. Because I find that these may be the most challenging words about marriage and about family anywhere in the Bible. So let's try to get into them. We're going to look at three things that Jesus said here that look to us like it's a point thing it, it, it's this thing we can check off it's this thing that that god put in in motion but really it is something that is an ongoing process we don't pick that up when we just read it through our english bibles but if you do a little bit of study and see what jesus was really saying this has more to do about things that god yes set in motion and he keeps in motion he keeps it going and that's why they were having a problem with marriage in their day. It's why, if we don't understand these things, we have a problem with marriage in our day. What does this look like? Three processes, three things. Let's, let's get into the first thing. When marriage really works the way God designed, the first thing that we see, this first process that Jesus talks about, that he refers to, is there is this obedience to God's commands in it. Obedience to God's commands. That's where, that's where life with God usually starts is we're not sharp enough, smart enough to figure it out ourselves. God needs to reveal something to us and usually start small. He says, okay, do this, don't do that. This is what I have in store for you. This is the very beginning, an obedience to command. Because he is saying here, it is written from the beginning. If you read this same account in another gospel, Jesus said, you don't understand the power of God or the scriptures. And these were guys who spent their lives, their days in Scripture, but you don't, you're not getting what it's really trying to say, you about, say to you about practical everyday life. And it's about obedience to God's commands. In the law, Moses wrote. So he referred to the Bible of their day, but then gave them some Bible for our day and for their day and for every day. Obedience to God's commands. He's given us a command. And if we go back, we see it this way. God designed one man, one woman together for life. Sex is to be exclusive in that relationship. One man, one woman together for life. And, and that is where the sexual union is supposed to take place. And no other place. 
Now, the world today would look at that and say, that's crazy. There's no way. You can't live up to that. Nobody lives up to that anymore. But we have to remind ourselves, this is what God is saying, I'm going to help you to do. You follow me, and I am a part of this. This is why I'm giving you this instruction. This is the way I'm going to take you. This is the way I'm going to lead you. This is the place where we're going with this, to understand that. And, and, and he added to this. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Now, he didn't have to say that for them. But doesn't it speak to our day? In all the confusion and all the things that are going on, God made male and female. And yes, there are people who struggle with that. And, and I don't know quite where I fit in in this day and this time. And, and that's our confusion. That's not God's confusion. And somehow we have to get back to what he is saying here in very simple terms about this is how I've created you. And this is how I've designed you. And this is the process I want you to know. Follow what I tell you. Follow what I'm showing you. It's an obedience to command. So how does that work? Well, part of it is realizing that when I follow his purpose and his plan, that's where I find happiness. When I step out of his purpose and out of his plan and do things the way the world does and everybody else does and the way I may feel like doing at times, that's where I get into trouble. That's where relationships get broken down because sin breaks relationships. Broke our relationship with God, it breaks our relationship with one another. And when we begin to follow his command in the simplicity of it, he does something to bring us together with him and to bring us together with one another. And to, to just get that simple thought. So what, what does that really mean practically for us today? It means, as he was telling them, you need in your life a practical way that the Bible is getting into your life and you need that constant input. Now, He's not just saying, God said it once, you check it off, and you're done. No, he's saying, you need this constantly. That's why I'm referring you back to the law and back to what is written, because it still has a word and still has a word for this day, and it still has a power that God wants to use it in, that, that it works in ways that we can't begin to understand, that we need to embrace what God is saying even more than what the world is saying and what our friends are saying or maybe even family is saying. That we get back to hear what he has said, one woman, one man, together for a life. That's the plan. That's the way. Now, let, let me give you a common thing that the world would say. And things that I have heard in talking with people. There's really the thought that if I just follow the love that is in my heart toward other people, I will always make the right decision. And that is wrong. That doesn't work out that way because we're sinful people and our hearts sometimes lead us astray and sometimes we feel this way at this moment in this situation and we feel this way in another place in another time and, and, and yeah when we just follow our heart a lot of people get hurt and we end up missing this plan. So how, how do we do this? We find a way to get God's word into our lives and into our marriage. Men, let me just give you that challenge. This is your God-designed place in your home and in your family is to somehow bring into your family this input of God's word, this truth of his word. And, and yes, being in church here is, is a great way to do that. But let me give you a statistic that many of you have already heard. 
If you look at people who go to church compared to people who don't go to church, the divorce rate is really not that different. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference. The statistics that I'm about to see, tell you about in this, the study says that one out of every 2.5 marriages will end in divorce, whether you go to church or not. But, but now hear this. If a couple will go to church, read the Bible in some way, some form, in their home, in their family, and pray together. Go to church, read the Bible, pray together. Only one in 1,105 of those couples ever get a divorce. See, it, it is very, very simple, and God tried to make it very plain. If you follow this plan, it works because I work in it. And there are things I want to tell you. There are things I want to tell you about life. There are things I want to show you about that. And, and so all through life, it, and every day, there is this need, there is this struggle. And, and dads and men, it is, it is our job to begin that process and keep that process going. How do I get the Bible into my family and into my life and into our marriage and into our work and into our relationships. Figure out a way. Find a way. Wherever you are, and not all of, us, all of us are at the same place and understanding the Bible, start there. It may be very, very simple. Have you ever read the book of John all the way through? Just read about Jesus. Start with Jesus. Don't, don't necessarily start in Genesis. That's not a bad thing, but there's a lot of ground to cover. The, the ultimate thing and ultimate truth and everything that the Old Testament points to and the New Testament points back to is about Jesus. I need to understand who Jesus is, and I need to hear his words to us. And so that's why we're looking at Jesus today. This is what he said about marriage and about life and about relationships. I need to hear what he says to me, and I need to make that a part of my life. Now, we've, we've had to do that in many different ways in our lives, and, and just to let you know right now, one of the things that we're doing in 2021, Judith and I, are listening through the Bible. We've read through the Bible, but now with a Bible app, we're listening through. There's a plan, and you can push it, a button, and you can hear. You can be driving, and you can listen to the Bible through a year. And there's a plan for it. There's a way for it. We can tell you more about that. But find where you're at, figure out where you're at, and get started. You're not going to do it perfectly. You're not always going to do it consistently. But always come back to it, understanding God wants to work in that. Obedience to his command. What he's just said and told us to do. And I find that when there is a constant flow of his word into my life and into my relationships and into my family, I find he works. Now, that's that first process that Jesus talked about. Get back to God's word, hear his command, hear what he has to say. But then there's the second thing, the second process that he mentions here. Because marriage is just not a static thing. You get married and that's it. And, and you just kind of live off of that commitment. No, there's something that has to happen all the time. There has to be something happening all the time. You don't just become a Christian one day and I check that box off and I join a church and get baptized. And then just things happen. No, there's a transformation. There is a growth that God always wants us to be a part of. And it's always happening. So here's the second process. It, it is a transformation into this oneness that he's talking about here. A transformation into a oneness with God and with others. And, and he uses a word that is kind of hard for us to translate. Be united. A man will be united with his wife. 
It, it maybe has a better picture for us, if, as they would think in their day, of two pieces of fabric or something that is woven in two separate things, but a skilled weaver weaves them together, and they become one garment. Those of you who are quilters, okay, you're getting this right now. You understand, okay, that's how that works. Back when I was in high school and, and, and we were experimenting with welding, you know, I was told if you learn how to do a weld of two pieces of metal together in, in, in ag class, that if you do it right, that weld is actually going to be stronger than the metal. And that's what, what the really a picture is. In our day and time, these, these two things become welded together so that they're inseparable. That's what the plan is. And that's the transformation process. Now, that just doesn't happen, and it stays that way. In a spiritual way, in a relational way, it happens, and God keeps it happening, and we keep on growing it. This transformation that two will become one flesh. Two, in God's eyes, will become one flesh. And he even says, what God is joined together, and you could also translate that, what he is now and continually joining together. Don't let anybody separate that they become one, that there's this unity, this oneness that God wants us to, to know and to understand that when we become right in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, there's a unity that cannot be broken. There's a fellowship. There's a bond. He wants that to spread into our relationships here on earth and to begin in our family and to begin in marriage and, and to bring two people together so that they become one in his sight. They become a unit now, I don't remember everything that my father-in-law, who was the pastor who married us, said. But there is one line that after we got married, we both looked at each other and said, Did you hear him say that? And, and Judith said, I heard him say that. And that's one of those single things that I remember him saying. Was at our wedding ceremony, my father-in-law looked at it and says, From now on, God will not deal with you just individually. He deals with you together. You are not... Two, you are one. And that's his plan, that there be such a unity in your coming together that there is a singleness of, of oneness in your life that God deals with you together. And that takes a transformation process. Now, we, we can kind of see that even better when we see how it doesn't work. If, if you were to read the headlines a few weeks ago, and maybe even any day now, you could read and see... There is turmoil, there is conflict, there is fighting, there is bombing, there is killing in the Middle East. There is killing and, and, and strife and hatred in the land of Israel, in the Holy Land. And you know why that got started? It got started in a marriage. Because one man, Abraham, got a promise from God that I'm going to make a nation out of you. And instead of waiting on that process because it wasn't happening. It didn't look like we're going to have this kid that's going to start this nation that, that's been promised. So Abraham does what people of his day did. He took another wife, and they had a child. And God said, that was not my plan. But you know what? I'm going to work with you, Abraham, and I'm going to try to redeem even that, and I'm still going to keep the promise. And one day, yes, there was that child of promise that was born. But you know what? There's this other family. And you know who's fighting? Two families. From one man who will claim the same forefather, who will claim that God blessed each one of them in a unique way. God meant that to be one. When Abraham stepped out of that one man, one woman together for life, it had a powerful consequence that we are still experiencing today. 
And you know what? Your marriage impacts people around you. Your marriage is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing for good. It's a powerful thing when you stop and look at the influence that comes from different homes and different couples and the way God works and the way he wants to work. That's what we need to grasp. God wants to keep transforming our lives as we get closer to him so that we get closer to each other so that something can happen. Now, what happens in this is a constant work of the Holy Spirit. God wants to come and he wants to begin to change you. Now, Every time you speak on marriage, there's somebody sitting out there man, I wish, I hope they hear this. I hope they get this. I hope they hear this. I don't need to hear this. They need to hear this. Because we always have in mind somebody who really needs to change a whole lot more than we do. And where, as long as we hang on to that mindset, we don't get any good out of it. If you really want to know this process, yes, pray for that person. But then say, God, let that change begin in me. Where are you working in my life that you need to change me so that you could work in them? And and this works in, in, in all of our relationships if we will let God do it. Yes, sometimes people rebel. Sometimes people walk their own way. But if I'm really going to be influenced And being an influence on somebody, I've got to let God change me. Jesus would put it this way. You look and you see a speck in someone else's eye. Don't just try to go get that out. Don't try to help them. Don't try to change them. You work on you. You get the stick that's sticking out of your eye. And you start there. And that's where we have to start in our own lives. Yes, there are husbands who want to change wives. There are wives who want to change husbands. There are parents who want to change their kids. There are kids who want to change their parents. There are siblings who want to change other siblings. You can look into their lives and you see they're doing all kinds of things that they shouldn't be doing, and there's all kind of pain being caused. Where do you start? You start with prayer, but you start with yourself. God, where do you want to change my life so you can use my life to be an influence to them? That's how it works in relationships, whether you're single or married. That's how it works in your family. That's how it works in in, in the world. If you want to influence somebody to Christ, you have to be transformed by him and be in the process of being transformed. And here's how his spirit transforms us. He teaches us to love. And he teaches us all the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God puts into our lives. And in those places, that's where he wants to change you. And I can guarantee you, I don't know God's will for every one of you, but I can guarantee you, every single one of us is teaching us how to love better than we do right now. And there is a step somewhere, somehow, he would have you to take in that today. It's a daily, ongoing process because he loves the world. And this fruit of the Spirit, this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control that the Spirit brings, that, that's what he wants to put in our lives and be in place in our lives and to use that to transform others. So there is this transformation that has to keep on going on in my life if I'm to fit into this plan. It's not something I can check off. I got married in church. I said I do. I've been faithful. And, and that should take care of it. No, there is an ongoing transformation between you and God to change you and to use that to be involved in other people's lives so that there's this oneness that you feel, that you know, that you understand, that you're longing for, that you're looking for. That's where you find it. You start with God and you let him change you. So 
First process is this obedience to his command. The second process is this transformation. Here's the third process. And he mentions it at the very end, and there's a lot more we could say here. We just don't have the time. But he says, what God has joined together, joining together, let no man separate. Let no man and nothing of this world separate. Here's what we have to understand. This final process that we're going to look at is an effort on our part towards God's permanence. An effort on our part towards the permanence that God has for us, this, this resilience in relationship, that these relationships continue to grow and they keep on and they don't break and, and they get through things and they go through heartaches and they go through troubles and they go through trials and they find joy, that there is this sense that he wants this, this effort on our part and where he's going to lead us is to this permanence, that nothing would separate. Now, he uses the word let, and that's a very important picture for us to understand. Let. Because bad things happen when we just let things happen in our relationships, in our marriages, in our families, in our children, in our relationships with brothers and sisters. We just let things happen. It's usually not good. And that's why he says this. Don't let it happen. God is at work. God is joining together. Don't let this thing that tears you apart happen. So there is some effort on our part. Let me put it this way. Here's a lesson I learned long ago. Salvation with God is by grace through faith. I cannot add anything to what Jesus Christ has done to make me right with God. I can only accept and receive it as a gift and by faith walk in it that he is giving it to me and will give it to me. Salvation is by grace. Marriage, on the other hand, is by works. You've got to work at it. You've got to act on things that you know you should do. You've got to do things you know need to be done for the sake of the other person. You've got to be obedient in these things that God is doing. And, and yes, where do I put the effort in? Is it getting to God? No, God has gotten to me. I need to follow him in the places he leads me. Now, some of you know that my wife has gone back to school. She's got her master's in counseling. She is a counselor. And she counsels 25 or more people or couples a week. And one of her specialties is couples. And I asked her, what are you seeing that's common to all the couples that you're dealing with? And they're coming from all different problems and situations. And she said, one of the common things that I'm seeing is that couples who come for counseling at this place where they're, you know, looking for help from somebody else, they have lost the friendship factor. They have lost this idea we're supposed to be friends in this. They've, they've lost the fun part of it. This is not all just hard work. There, there should be an aspect of just relationship building and fun and, and friendship in this. And she said, sometimes I bring that up to, me, to them and they look at me like, I have no idea what you're talking about. How do we do that? We lost that. Here's what happens. We just let things happen and we drift apart. We don't work on them and we go our separate ways. And we hear what the world says to us, and we get lost in it. You know, if we listen to the world's love songs, and we just did what all they say, you will have a totally messed up family, okay? You will have a wrecked life. I'm going to give you an example that probably is nobody's favorite love song. But when you look at it, 
it was a top 10 hit in three different decades with three different artists. And I'm dating it a little bit, and I'm dating myself a little bit. The last one was Willie Nelson, and it was a country song. And, and it is called, You Were Always On My Mind. That's a wonderful thought. You were, you were always on my mind. But hear the words of it. Now, I think love songs get popular, and the reason is this one has been popular through three different time eras is people hear that and say, oh, I can relate to that. that that's saying something about me. I'm not alone. I'm, I'm feeling that as well. Here's the thought that is in this song. Maybe I didn't love you quite as often as I could have, and maybe I didn't treat you quite as good as I should have. If I made you feel second best, girl, I am sorry I was blind. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. And maybe I didn't hold you all those lonely, lonely nights. And I guess I never told you that I'm so happy that you're mine. Little things I should have said and done, I just never took the time. But you were always on my mind. Okay, that's just stupid. That, that just doesn't work on any level. Okay? It, but what has happened is I've just let things happen. I didn't, didn't feel like doing it quite then. Knew I should have. I knew you needed it, but I, I wasn't. I was busy and I didn't. I just, just let things happen. And that's why later in the song is it says, Tell me that your sweet love hasn't died. Give me, give me one more chance to keep you satisfied. Because you were always on my mind. A lot of good that did. We need to act on things. We need to follow through on things. And so what is God leading you to do? What, what do you know needs to be done in your relationships around you? You may not be married, but maybe there's this relationship and it's not quite right. You start with you. And understand that God wants to bless this. He has a love. There's the other constant factor. A love that he wants to flow into your life and through your life. And the greatest thing you can give another person is not your love for them when you feel like it. It is God's love, and oftentimes when you don't feel like it, acting on it. That's the greatest act of love, especially when it's hard. That's where God wants to work. He wants to work that in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your relationships. He wants to work through us to bring us into that right relationship with God. Now, let me, let me try to close with this. Because in the Bible, if you read further on, you will see Paul talk a lot about there's this connection this other single man makes about marriage and about salvation and about God's plan for people and about how marriage works and, and how they really, they really kind of fit together. We don't have time to go into all that. But let me just say this. God has made a proposal to all of us. I remember my proposal much more clear than I remember my wedding ceremony because it was just the two of us. And I remember getting home from a hot outdoor job in, in seminary and, and Judith had prepared this candlelight dinner, steak. And I had the ring and I thought, this is the time. And I can remember making an excuse to go back and get it. And I remember that meal. And I remember us sitting on this orange corduroy couch. That dates me a little bit too. 
And I remember asking her that question. And I look back now, I think, I should have done a whole lot better than I did. But she said yes, and it still worked. Still working. I remember that very clearly. Let me say this about every one of us. Jesus has made a proposal to you that is much greater than marriage. Jesus has made a proposal of you entering into a relationship together that is even more powerful than marriage and more fulfilling than marriage. In fact, your marriage can't be fulfilled by him unless you have that there. But that is the thing he has done for every one of us because he loves us. Have you responded to that? Don't try to go home and do this on your own. You can't do it. The good news is he wants to do it in your life. By making you one with him. And this sin that has broken your relationship Jesus died for. This sin that, that corrupts us and, and corrupts all of our relationships. He has a power over. He came back from the dead. He can fix your problem. Trust him. Hear him. Would you be willing to follow him today in that?